Welcome to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. I'm Eduardo Suarez, Head of Editorial at the Institute. How diverse are the sources featured in our news stories? This is a question many news organizations have been grappling with in the last few years. As the BBC 5050 project showed, measuring is often the first step towards an output that truly reflects the audience you aspire to serve. But how are these dilemmas being addressed by newsrooms from the Global South? Our guest today is our journalist fellow, Nana Ama Asante. Nana Ama is the leader of the Ghana Expert Women Project, a new initiative to count the number of women interviewed as experts and authority figures in this African country. Nanama is the former co-host of one of the most popular morning radio shows and the creator of The Unfiltered, a podcast that provides Ghanaian women with a platform to participate in national conversations in which their voices are often missing. Nanama, welcome back to the Reuters Institute and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Eduardo. I'm happy to be here. So let's start with the basics. Um, uh, I'm very curious about the project, uh, and I know that the project uh, basically came about uh, at your time at the Institute. So what's uh, the Ghana Expert Women Project, and how did it come about? Okay, so let's first start with how the project came about. You know, I spent um, six months at the Institute, and COVID extended it. And so during the period... Um, I was stuck in the UK and, and that prolonged my, my stay as a fellow. Um, Mira connected me with um, the Department of Journalism at the City University of London. Um, they had worked on this project where they had counted the number of women experts who appear in media in the UK. And she did this because this is something I had been talking and thinking about, but I, I had no idea how to proceed. And so Mira, who knew that this project had happened, um, sort of put me in touch with um, Suzanne, who is at the City University of London's journalism department, and sort of um, that started a conversation towards how could this projects be replic replicated in Ghana. And and then I, I came back home. When I came back home, one of the things you think about when you've heard about how this project took off in the UK and has become a major success. And so they started, it was a challenge when they started, but it's become a success that it's something that media outlets look out to, to check their performance. And so how do you come back to Ghana, the context like Ghana, and replicate this? Um, you need money <laughs> to do this. You need to hire monitors um, to do this. And so um, the, thankfully, the department had some, some funds and they were willing to share and help me sort of replicate it in, in Ghana. That's how it started. What we did was to design um, a survey that counted the number of women in media over the five-month period. Um, hired monitors who did the counting every week. 
so that we will be able to know how many women actually appear in Ghanaian women in, in Ghanaian media as experts. You know, not just as announcers, not just as readers, not not just as host of shows or presenters, but actually women who come because of their expertise. And um, I was going to ask about the start of the project. You said that obviously a project like this takes money and you got, uh, you know, some help from City University to do it. But what was the main challenge uh, in terms of designing the project and, uh, and choosing the, uh, the shows that you were going to monitor uh, and so forth? You know, I think the, the wonder of if I had done this without the guidance of the team at the journalism department, that would have been harder but because they sort of had a template it was easy to tweak it to fit my context which was Ghana so my the the challenge was deciding on which shows we have so many flagship shows you know <laughs> so you have 400 radio stations in Ghana just 400 stations alone so which ones are you going to choose from first of all and then which television programs because Most of the television programs that were dominant were not shows that fit the, the, the model that we were going for. So the challenge was choosing which outlets, which television program, which radio program. That was one of our challenges. And then also because some of the programs, even though they were flagship shows, they were weekly, not daily shows. So then how do you monitor those ones? How do you design something to fit that? And uh, what were the criteria that you used to actually chose uh, a show instead of another one? Um, it was popularity, it was uh, representativity. What, what was the, the, the reasons that you were using uh, when choosing them? So our key factor was what the radio stations themselves describe as their flagship shows or the, the media outlets themselves describe as their yeah. flagship shows and were popular in Ghana and were most listened by, you know, in fact, other, other indicators available out there. So there are, there are award shows that determine which shows are popular. Um, there are um, people who track which shows are most listened to. So we used all of these, we put all of these together to select which shows would be useful for this project. Uh, I guess, I mean, when, what many listeners uh, are probably thinking or, or, or asking themselves is, uh, what did you find when you measured, uh, you know, the contributors and the people interviewed uh, in these programs? Um, we, <laughs> you know, um, going in, you have your assumptions when you're going into any, um, any research. And so I had assumed when we were going in that we will find, you know, just fairly high number of women because to my mind even though there weren't a lot of vo women's voices in media you know we were we may be around 30 that was my assumption when we were going in um i complained about the 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 absence of women's voices in media but i thought we were doing really well it, it is 2020 2021 so we were you know we're making progress and then we finish And what I, we established is that um, only one out of 11 experts is a woman who are interviewed on radio and television in Ghana is a woman, only one. 
And this is wow. a country that has more than 50% of the population are women. So, you know, to put it in, in perspective for you. Hmm. And and it's not only that there were like uh, much fewer women. It's also it's also that they uh, got uh, uh, much less time on air, right? And also, uh, yeah. And also, I've read that they were actually treated with less respect. I don't know if you can elaborate on that and and describe uh, some of the situations that uh, that you found when monitoring. Yeah. So one of the things we found that men were given more time. Um, on, on, on the, on, during the interviews, male aspects had more time. They were treated with more respect. Their knowledge was not questioned much as women's knowledge, women experts' knowledge were questioned by hosts and presenters of these shows. Um, and the women were treated with far less respect. And so there were comments about their looks, um, women who went on TV. Um, there were comments about, even on radio, people received comments about their looks um, and comments about, some people had received comments about their relationships, you know. So whereas men do not get any of those questions about, so how are you doing with marriage? How are you doing all of these two things with combining your work with marriage and things like that. Men were not getting some of these questions, but women who went on shows were getting questions. And sometimes they were just simply cut off in the middle of the interviews. Hmm. Um, and what were the women that were actually interviewed in these shows? What, what were the women experts and authorities that, uh, that, that you found when you, monitoring, you were monitoring the, the output of, of these TV shows in Ghana? So that's that's a really interesting question. Um, so there were people who came and spoke for um, banks, like in for their knowledge in banking, in health, in education. It was it was really broad. It was really broad. It was just that there were fewer women who were invited to speak, but the areas that people were invited to speak were broad. And which were the men? Oh, um, well, <laughs> men got. <laughs> <laughs> well, the men got. Um, the men got. It's the same area, except I think the men received more respect. So it, the same areas, just that they more men were invited to say if they they needed to have a conversation about banking in Ghana, they were going to invite more men than women. That was the standard. If women were lucky, then one woman would be invited to come and speak. Uh, you've now presented the, the initial findings of, of the project and, and they are available, by the way, uh, on your website for anyone to, to check. Um, which kind of reaction did you get uh, from journalists, from, from news executives in these uh, in, in this radio and television stations or, or from the uh, broader audience? Uh, what do people think when they saw this? So for women who and, and activists and feminists who have been talking for years that, you know, there are no women in, 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 in media, um, women's voices are absent. For people who have been making these complaints, there was finally, here's the evidence for them. So there were, it was, it was a, it was a relief for them. It was an affirmation of something they had observed. Um, it, this was exciting. Um, for them, for the media outlets, well, it was um, 
it was it was mixed i would say it was mixed there are people who were like well we know we 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 know we know that this problem exists but there are reasons why they exist and the people who were like actually we disagree <laughs> this is not true we we do we do much better than you are claiming in this survey even though you know there are shows that had zero women um during the period but um i had host and producer saying to me you are wrong we did better than you claim even though the evidence is otherwise hmm. Uh, and obviously, with this project, you've 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 been looking um, into experts and and authority figures that are quoted in the in the news media. Uh, but I wonder if you can walk us through uh, diversity in 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 newsrooms in Ghana, um, uh, not just in terms of gender, but also in terms of uh, socioeconomic status and, and maybe ethnic background. Um, are uh, newsrooms in Ghana truly diverse? Um, uh, and and if they are not. Uh, what do you think are the steps, uh, you know, to take uh, to make them make them more inclusive and, and more, more diverse in the future? Hmm. Wow, Eduardo, this is a really hard question. Um, you know, on on the on the surface, it would appear that newsrooms are diverse, but once you go in, you would realize that it's such a it's such a journalism because you know um, people are over here underpaid and overworked, you sort of need to come from certain backgrounds to survive. First of all, you have to have had um, be educated in certain places. So you have to go to the either the Institute of Journalism or have gone to university, first of all. And very few people from lower um, end of the, uh, um, the economic scale make it to university or are able to go to the journalism school. So that means that people from um, the lower end of the scale do not make it into newsrooms. Um, if you come from a really poor background, you're probably not going to make it there. Of course, not everybody there, I'm not saying, because Ghana is a, it's not a rich country, we're a poor country, so it is in levels, right? So the people there do not come from rich homes, but I would say that people from the lowest end of the scale do not make it to the newsrooms. And then you, because we come from, we, um, Ghana is made up of different ethnic groups. You have to look at which ethnic group is um, represented and not all the groups are represented. You have to think about religion as well and not all the religious people from the many religious groups are represented in newsrooms. And then you have to look at women. And I would say that if you walked into a newsroom, that most newsrooms would have a fair, you know, fairly high number of women, except they are not people in higher positions. So they're the, the people at the entry level or mid level. And then at the top level, always, for some reason, women do not are unable to make it to the top. And so if your newsrooms are largely Christian in Ghana, um, Southern Ghana. So when I, I say Southern Ghana, it's, I'm, 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 I'm dividing Ghana into two and thinking of Northern and Southern Ghana. And Southern Ghana is largely Akan. And so people from, you know, the Akan speaking areas are largely represented in newsrooms, which also means they're really Christian, you know, so the orientation of the newsroom tends to be Christian, um, sort of, um, yeah, it tend to be largely Christian, I would say, and not um, reflective 
you probably might have two or three Muslims and that would be it. I, I don't think I even remember anybody in a newsroom that was um, a practitioner of African indigenous or Ghanaian indigenous religious practices. Um, yeah, there may be people from poorer backgrounds or impoverished backgrounds who make it to the newsrooms, but they are not um, they are not the majority. The people who succeed and thrive are people from, you know, your, your mother is a teacher, your father is a doctor, your, 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 at least you come from a home where people were educated. You're not a um, first generation university person in, in the newsroom. Mm. So sounds like the like, like the same dilemmas that uh, you know news organizations are uh, grappling with uh, in other countries too. Um, I, I would like to know, Nana Ama, uh, about uh, you know the next steps for the project. You've now shown that uh, 80, 89% of the experts feature men. Um, we've discussed that I think it's 95% of the time is given to men uh, in these programs, uh, and they also you know treat it with more respect even. If sometimes they they have actually less expertise than than the women featured, uh, so these are really striking figures and striking details. So, what would you like to achieve uh, with this data? What, what are the kind of things that you would like to um, to get done? Uh, you know, after after showing uh, this striking data, um, you know. I had been complaining for a long time about the absence of women in media. And I had never thought about it in the context of women expect. I always thought there weren't just women's voices. You know, you go into newsrooms and there are a lot more women, but they are not the ones in authority positions. And on radio, we are the ones, you know, we're the news readers, or if we're giving shows to host, the shows we host are entertainment and relationship shows. And so we're not involved in the serious issues. Um, and so my, my, I'm excited that we've been able to do this project that shows clearly that women expect are absent in, in national conversations, which for me says that because all of these conversations goes to shape national policy, national law, you know, convert, how even decisions people make, because if you exclude women, you're not hearing what the other side think about banking, insurance, um, human rights, and even legal issues. You're not hearing all of these perspectives, which are necessary in framing policy and laws and making decisions about how life should work in this country. And actually, it is also not fair, <laughs> just that like we're 50% of the population and we're not there. So I'm I'm happy that this project, we've done this project. I hope this is our first round and there will be more rounds that so we can actually check to see if people are making, if media outlets are making the changes they said they will make when we went out for interviews. After we launched the, the, the report, we went for all of these interviews where producers and journalists promised they would do better than they have done. And so my hope is that this report and this data will keep them in check. They will have it at the back of their minds that this is necessary. First of all, it's unfair that we're not represented and it's necessary because women's voice and perspective on issues matter. So that's my hope for the project. I hope, I hope that media outlets, journalists, producers, presenters 
take this further. So this is not one of those things where a report is launched and we do all the interviews and everybody says the right things. And then, you know, we go back to our old ways. I hope this is a move towards change. You know, this triggers a move towards change for all of us. Um, and I was wondering, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, impact and in terms of change, um, what are the things that uh, you think are needed, uh, you know, to feature more experts, more female experts uh, on Ghana's media? Is it a question of uh, of the media or, or is it also a structural question, uh, as it happens in some countries where, you know, people in charge are usually men, uh, still men, and, and they are more featured? Is, is that, I mean, how much uh, of the blame would you put on the on the news media and how much on the blame on, on the structural inequalities um, in Ghanaian society? I would say... I, probably 50-50, 50-50, I would say. I will put half the blame on media. I will put half the blame on society. Um, let me start with media. So after we did the report and I found out that nearly 90%, like women are, you know, nearly 90% of experts in on, on radio and television are men, I decided I needed to understand why aren't women showing up for these interviews? Because I had spoken to producers and journalists who said to me, look, we try to find women. We just can't find them. When we call them, it's they have one excuse after the other. And I know mm. professional women. I know women. Look, um, Ghanaian women have surpassed men in getting education in Ghana. So I found it really strange that we were not showing up for interviews. So I decided, how about I go and interview professional women and ask why they don't do interviews? Speak to those who actually go on shows and ask what their experience have been. Maybe this will shed some light on what is happening, why producers can't seem to find women. And what I found was that, look, um, women, because culturally, you are, women are the ones that run the home in Ghana. And yeah. we live in a in a city, most radio stations, especially the popular ones, are located in the capital. It's hard to get from one end to the other. And so women were telling me, look, if you call me at 7 p.m. and ask me to come on a show the next morning at 7 a.m. when I have a family, children to take care of, a job to do, I'm unable, I, I won't be able to make it. That's not going to work. If you want to do a phone interview, I may be able to do that, but you have to give me time to prepare. And producers do not want that because, you know, in the newsrooms, everything goes very fast, right? So mm -hmm. there is that. Um, and there were women who said to me, I have been on shows where I have been so disrespected or I've been on shows with other men where men have spoken over me and, you know, I've realized that the, show, the, the presenters on the show are far more interested in the arguments of the men, which are not reasoned at all than my reasoned <laughs> arguments. And so why, why stress myself? You know, why bother? You know, if they're just going to pitch me against a man and listen to the man and not even consider my arguments, so I will not go. So there's the structure, the design of the programs themselves. You know, you have programs, um, high-ranking programs that start at 9 p.m. That's when people are going home. And if women have children, they have to tend to these children. And you want the women in the studio. That's going to be hard for them to come to the studio. So there is that. And there is also, there are, there are women I spoke to who said, I don't want trouble. I don't want people to be calling my husband or, you know, my loved ones to complain about my views because 
for some reason, no matter what you say, whether you go on radio and you say Jesus is love or women are great, it seems radical because you're on radio and people get, people's parents and loved ones get calls all the time, you know, to sort of rein in your woman. And so married women do not want to put themselves out there. And women who are not married do not want to be presented as radical. And so they don't go. And that's because the culture itself is conservative. There are certain expectations of women. And so if we're going to move forward, then everybody's going to have to make changes. So our society is going to have to realize that for us to progress, women have to speak and engage actively in the political and the media space. And speaking and participating in media conversations is a start. And then for the radio and television and the media outlets, it's just to consider the design of the programs, you know, um, the COVID has taught us that we can have Zoom conversations. Edvardo, you and I, I'm in New York, you're in London, we're having this conversation. It's possible. You know, people do not have to be physically present in studios for conversations to be had, for it to be interesting or engaging. And so for me, I think there is, um, the outlets have to consider the design, the way they treat women when they appear on these shows. So you can change the, the format of the shows to include more women. But if they show up and they are not treated with respect, um, if you allow men to um, talk over them, or if you sort of dismiss them live on the radio or in the middle of an interview, it's they are not going to come back. So both sides ought to make changes. I'm not placing all the blame on on. Um, on media outlet, but also we women have to sort of take certain steps, recognize that we're present and we have to play a role. Mm. And there are so many nuances that you've just described uh, in those interviews. So, so it's not just the survey data or, or the, you know, the monitoring that you did, but also the nuance of, of these interviews that reveal, you know, real reasons for women not to be not to be featured on, on the Ghanaian media. Um, finally, I would like uh, to know, uh, you know, what would be your advice to journalists who may be uh, listening right now? Um, who live in other countries that are not in Europe or the U.S., uh, and I would like to replicate something similar to this project, uh, uh, try to monitor, you know, which kind of uh, gender breakdown are uh, in experts' feature or in authority voices. Um, any advice, any tips that may be useful uh, for them in terms of trying to, trying to replicate um, your success? I, I would say, you know, keep your monitors in check. <laughs> keep your, if, you, if you want solid data, please keep your monitors in, in check. Because, um, you know, you asked me about challenges earlier, Eduardo, and I forgot to mention that that was one of my, you know, so that you don't have false starts. You know, you hire people and they promise to do everything. And then you need the on the evening that you need to receive the data, you, you start calling and they don't pick up. So I would say that's number one. Um, also pay attention yourself because so you know if somebody is fudging the data. I would say pay attention yourself. Hmm. 
Um, just the last question. I mean, uh, the the applications uh, for the fellowships are approaching uh, for the fellowship here at the at the Reuters Institute, and you've been a fellow with us, a dear fellow. And and I wonder, I mean, um, uh, what would be your advice uh, for people who are considering applying? What did you learn uh, while you were here with us at Oxford, even if that you know with that difficult conditions that we got from COVID and and from the pandemic? Um, what do you think uh, people can expect um, when they apply uh, to the Journalism Fellowship here at the Institute? Oh, my God, what did I learn? Do you have another hour <laughs> or a day? <laughs> Look, I will, not, I will never stop saying this. I, I came to Oxford basically depressed about, you know, my job as a journalist because I thought... God, nothing moves, nothing changes. And, you know, I was in Ghana. I thought my problems were unique, you know, and intractable. And there are no solutions to this. And then I got to Oxford and I met all these amazing, incredible, brilliant people with different perspectives who sort of have similar challenges. Look, they may not be the same. So the corruption may differ, but corruption is happening. Um, the, the gender issues may be different, but they were present. And so that alone, just being in conversation with the other fellows, the perspective reshaped mine and offered me tools to take back to Ghana to have to then move in addressing some of the issues I saw. So my perspectives on democracy, gender, human rights, technology, Information and disinformation, all of that were transformed because of our conversations together, you know, with Mira and um, Rasmus and all the other people who were invited to come and talk to us. And also when you work in mainstream media in a context like my Ghana is, a, is, is not, you know, a middle, it's, we are a middle income country on paper, but we're really poor. And so it's impossible for you to independently do something. But then I come and I meet Jaco, whose organization is doing the black box theater. That's so innovative. That's something that, oh God, that's something that an outlet can do. And it's, it doesn't have to be one outlet in Ghana. You can sort of pitch it to other people. Then I speak to Kohei about Japan, how stories are done and how to make sure that, you know, you can do insightful, um, long form pieces that people will be interested in. It was, it, it, I would say, um, by all means apply. Um, you have to sell yourself when you apply, but it's a transformative fellowship. It's not, you know, it might not come in a form of rigid class structure, um, but, you know, all the people who come to speak to us in during the, the period that we are in Oxford bring with them um, knowledge that will sharpen what you know or open your eyes to things you didn't see in your own context. So there were things I didn't know. I didn't even realize we're present in Ghana until we started having those conversations. I remember when they brought, um, I forget his name, but the BBC guy, the 50-50 the person who was Ross Atkins, Ross, Ross Atkins, yeah. Ross Atkins. I'm so sorry, Ross. Um, so when, when Ross Atkins came to speak to us, I had been whining and complaining about there are no women's voices in media, there are no women's voices. And I thought it required so much to do it. But then he came and after his presentation, I was, oh, that's illuminating. Like I, 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 
you know, it's sort of opened my eyes to ways in which I could do that in my context. And it didn't require so much. And I could actually find allies to help me do this, you know. So I would say, please apply. It's, it's, a, it's a life or I would say a journalism enriching experience. And also a life-enriching experience because some of the people I met have become friends. I'm meeting Zoe this Sunday to have a conversation about work and life. So, um, yeah, by all means, please apply for the Reuters Fellowship. It's, it, I, I have an abundant journalism because I, of the time I spent there. I, and it was such a pleasure to host you uh, here in Oxford, uh, Nana Ama. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It's been a, a great conversation. You're welcome. You're welcome. I enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this. So our guest today, again, uh, is our journalist fellow, Nana Ama Asante. Nana Ama is the leader of the Ghana Expert Women Project, a new initiative to count the number of women interviewed as experts and authority figures in this African country. Make sure to follow our podcast channel on Spotify or Apple Podcast so you don't miss the next episode. And if you don't want to miss any news from the Institute, subscribe to our weekly newsletter by clicking on the link of, on our Twitter bio or the link on our homepage. Thank you for listening to Future of Journalism. I'm Eduardo Suarez. We'll be back soon.